0: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: Can you really truly give somebody an MVP award if they don't perform nearly as well in the fourth quarter in tight games? It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin, and Fitzsimmons in for Joseph Fortenbaugh today. And this is just an incredibly massive game tonight specifically for the Cincinnati Bengals, but also for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm thrilled, and I listen, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that we don't get to hear Al Michaels whine a little bit about the game, about, <laughs> about the matchup, but at the same time, I am thrilled that we get, more importantly, a really good game tonight. And for Lamar Jackson, it's amazing to me how much uh, we continue to talk about him for the MVP this season because he does play. At a very high level, no getting around that. He is a great, great player. Uh, I thought he should have gotten every penny that he could have um, uh, in terms of the, uh, uh, you know, the guaranteed money this offseason. Everybody was talking about, but when you look at the numbers, just listen to these couple of numbers real quick. All right, he has completed seventy percent of his passes this year, has a passer rating of ninety-eight point one. Okay. But he also has, in the fourth quarter of one-score games, seen his QBR drop to 31, and he has thrown one touchdown to two interceptions, and he is passing for a first down just 19% of the time. If you're voting for MVP, how much does that statistic alone bother you?
2: Ah, I mean, there's a lot of balls still left to be played. But if you're going in the moment right now, he probably he'd he'd be on my ballot, but he he wouldn't be number one. Uh, But look, and you can also make numbers dance any which way you want. This this Baltimore team has absolutely punked and beaten down not one but two division leaders in the NFC in Detroit and Seattle. They just they they laid an egg last week in a division game, and he did not play well yet again in the fourth quarter. I get all that. But Baltimore is still, right now in the moment, I think they are the best team, especially with the, with the Deshaun Watson injury in Cleveland. They're the best team in the most difficult division in all of football. And I understand that he's had some wet-to-bed moments in the fourth quarter, but still, he is one of the more electric players in the league. And the more he's with Todd Monken, who was obviously Georgia's offensive coordinator for their back-to-back natties the last two years, they are going to continue to get better and better. That's just my opinion. Would he be on my MVP ballot? Yes, he still would. Because, again, what they did to not one but two division leaders in the NFC, just embarrassed Detroit and Seattle. Mm -hmm. That ain't easy to do. So I think we're living in the moment off of what we just saw against Cleveland. And tomorrow morning, if he balls out yet again as we've seen
1: him do, we might be having a completely different conversation. Okay, so right now on ESPN Bet, Lamar Jackson is – tied for the second favorite or I'm sorry he is the second favorite Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes are both plus 300 right now Lamar Jackson is plus 375 that would be my three and then two is at plus 600 Burrow has been climbing up the list and at ESPN bet he's at plus 1000 so only 10 to one That's good value that is good value and and it's even better value when you jumped in at 18 to one like I did that's fine (laughs) That's fine. That's for another day. But again, I, it's not I, to fight back on the prisoner of the moment thing. And again, big Lamar guy myself, I, I do have a problem when you look at things like 12 turnovers in the fourth quarter or overtime of one score games in the last three seasons. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot. And it doesn't mean to me that Lamar's not a pressure player, but. When you have all of those mistakes happen in those circumstances, and it's that large of a sample size, I have to start to look at it a little bit differently. Damn, you sound like you wouldn't even want him as your quarterback. I want him as my quarterback. I do. But I got to just, what's going on here? That's what I want to know. Why is there such a difference for him in those situations? Like, that's what I really to need that, to, to drill down on. That's right where now. we need a scout,
2: right, or, or, or and someone to go in. How much has the play calling, if at all, changed in the fourth quarter? Whether they have a lead, whether they're, they're playing from behind, how much has the game plan going into the fourth quarter actually been altered from what we've seen in the first half and even in the third quarter? I don't have that answer. I, I haven't done mm-hmm. a deep dive into it. You may have. I, I don't know. I don't but, know beyond that, No. Yeah, so I mean, I, I hear the numbers, but you can make numbers dance a lot of different ways, and some of those that you rattled off, well, that, that's just they're, they're just facts. But bottom line is, how much has, if at all, again, play calling changed? Have they become more conservative? Uh, you know, are they not taking as many deep shots? Whatever it may be, I don't. I, I haven't gone into that deep dive. I'm sure some scout has, and uh, again tomorrow if he if he goes you know 20 of 28 for 320 and and three touchdowns with one pick tonight and they win a close game and he leads a game-winning drive you know to seal it at home against a division rival we may be having a completely different conversation tomorrow as a matter of fact we will be having a completely different conversation tomorrow
1: Carla versus Joey, ESPN radio, Ian Fitzsimmons in for Joe today. Now you've got Burrow and you've got Lamar. If I made you pick one of those two guys that you're going to ride with, who's it going to be? Well, you you know, man, uh, that I, I covered Joe Burrow a
2: ton at LSU. Yeah. Uh, And so uh, there's a bias here Uh, just because I know the person and the player. So I, I would ride with Joe Burrow and, and they both have a bleep you mentality. They believe that not only are they better than you, they know that they are better than you and they will find a way to beat you. They both have that, that just that remarkable mindset that you have to have as an elite quarterback, but you're going to give me one or the other. I'm going to go with the guy I'm more familiar with and that's just human nature. So I'd, I'd be going with Joey B.
1: Yeah, I, I would too. And I, I did the game. I've done a couple games of Lamar's already and I love him as a player. I kind of didn't understand what all the pushback was last year other than from an injury standpoint, and I get that. But I never got the sense in watching this guy play, Ian, that he was going to be somebody that in three years you were going to really regret that contract. I never felt no, that with way you. Yeah. because I feel like developmentally he's smart enough to get better and better and better at taking hits, at not taking hits. Yeah, the, the, the biggest knock for me on Lamar
2: is at the end of seasons. Now, we've seen Burrow going into seasons, right, be, be injured, and, and that's why I hate division games. Yeah. early in the year, you talk to any coach, they cannot. Well, they're in a hole having... now because of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he wasn't there. I mean, it's a completely different Cincinnati team, and that's why a lot of coaches around the NFL have told me just, in, in organically in conversation, we should not have two division games. You want to start the season with an, with, a, with a division game to kind of ramp everything up, fine. But multiple division games early on, when you have injuries coming out of training camp and in preseason ball. Well, as much as you play preseason ball in this day and age, those first huh. few games are almost preseason games now. But that, that's why there shouldn't be multiple division games to start the season. Because, we again, how different would it be if Cincinnati only had one division loss coming into this and, and without Joe Burrow instead of the two? But the bottom line for Lamar is he's been hurt during the dash for cash, and that's the holiday season. In the last month of, of the previous two years, he has been unavailable to his team, and that, to me, was the biggest knock personally for me and others on Lamar Jackson.
1: You want even more absurdity about the 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 way the division thing played out early in the year for Cincinnati? It drives me nuts, man. They had two in the first two weeks. Open the season at Cleveland, and then Baltimore lost both those games. And you're they in a hole. They haven't played a division game since so until tonight. Now we're going to
2: we're, we're taking a different exit off the interstate here, right? But uh, give give me your thoughts. How do you feel about what I just said? When it comes to now games like this, that are just the the they're they're under a much brighter spotlight. It's almost a, a magnifying glass is now put on it because of what you just described in the first two weeks of the season, losing two division games when you aren't the same team because your star quarterback was hurt.
1: Well, but at this, I, I can't plan around that when they're making a schedule. I I don't love that you have two back-to-back, and then you go eight weeks without playing another division opponent. Makes no No sense. sense. I don't mind playing a division game in the first three of the season. I agree with you. That's absurd. The way that it is is, uh, set up for the Bengals this year is absolutely ridiculous. But now, this guy has healed while he has been playing, speaking of absurd, with Burrow. (laughs) And now... I think we get a chance to see the two of them playing at their best right now. That's that's where it is for me. I want to see the two guys who are close to their prime going and squaring off. And that's what we're going to get. But you know how this is, too. We're going to get toward the end of the year, and everybody's banged up at that point. Everybody's banged up. So I, I don't know that there's a perfect solution to it.
2: I just know that you shouldn't have multiple division games because of, of the moment we're in right now where – It is damn near must win for Cincinnati. Now, do I think they're talented enough to overcome a loss and still come week 17, be right in the mix for a a playoff spot? Absolutely, I do. But it wouldn't be as magnified if you didn't have those two division games to start the season with an injured Joe Burrow.
1: Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Ian Fitzsimmons in for Joe today. Neither of these teams have a decision to make a quarterback this offseason, but... That is not the case for two other teams in week 11. And there is a rather curious decision being made. We'll tell you what it is next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 8.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why?
0: He's got an 18.7 QBR in the end of half of games this season. That's where they need to see him make a jump before they can either say, yes, we're going to move forward with him in 2024, or hey, we've got to go get somebody else. I think they want to sell to everybody else that Justin Fields is fully healthy so they can
1: try to maximize the return in the offseason. If I'm a team that is not in an advantageous position to draft a quarterback right now, I am absolutely going and doing something like that. If I'm sitting around 12, if I'm sitting around 15, if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm a team like that, and I can't get either Caleb Williams or Drake May, I would absolutely investigate Justin Fields and what that cost is for me, because the talent is absolutely there. It hasn't quite developed yet, but... Man, he has not been in a good situation in Chicago. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin, Ian Fitzsimmons is in for Joe today. Matt Eberflus earlier today said that it looks like he is going to play. uh, And it's not fully healed, but it's good enough that he expects to start on Sunday. Let's hear from Fields just a little while ago on this topic.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not 100%, but... um you know, it feels, feels good. Um, there's still a little bit of healing left, but it's stable. Um, you know, and like I said, it's
3: Justin. Obviously, there's huge implications for any player in their third season. What do you hope to prove individually during the final seven games of this regular season?
2: Just go out there and, you know, win games. Um, not here to prove anything to anybody. Um, I'm playing for my teammates, playing for the coaches and, you know, that's, that's it. Um, and everything else will take care of itself. So, uh, no, I'm not necessarily trying to prove anything to anybody. Just go out there with my brothers and go out there and perform.
1: Hey, listen, everything love he has to answer. say is – I love the answer. Absolutely love it. Hate the fact that he's playing before he's 100%. Hate it. All right, let and, me ask you about that because that yeah. makes no sense to me. Okay. Because uh, I agree with, with, with Chris Canty that
2: if you're the Bears, you want to showcase him. You're, you're hoping he shines and you you have your quarterback. To me, he's already in the building. But if you if you're giving up on him – and you're looking to shop him, all right, you're, you're, you're trying to showcase him. But why would you do that if he's not healthy? That, that thumb injury is on his throwing hand. It's not like Herbert, right, and the, the bird finger on his left hand. This is your throwing hand. So why would you march him out there if he's not 100% and you have
1: zero chance of making the postseason? Why do I, that? I totally hate it for that very reason. Like, why, if I'm trying to showcase him, why do I want to put him out there when he can't be at his best? Makes no sense. None. None whatsoever. The guy needs to play. I mean, I think we can establish that. Injuries have been certainly part of it here the first couple of years. But I see no point to any of it. If you're going to run Tyson Bajant out there, all you're going to continue to do is put yourself in a spot to go and potentially get the number one pick, which you've got a great shot at anyway because you've already got the Panthers pick in all of this. So... Where is the logic Thanks for the here? reminder. And and, and yeah, sorry. <laughs> and, and but this this also speaks to the fact that the Bears is such a horribly run organization. Yeah. What are we doing here? I, I don't. When you have this guy in this spot, I don't have an answer
2: for you. It, it, the moment I saw this, and I saw fields's quote, and then you heard his tone of voice there. I mean, he wants to go out there with his boys, right? Yeah. But. If, if you're not 100% and you have an injury to the thumb on your throwing hand, there is zero reason. You can try and talk your way back onto the field and go out there with your boys, right, for these last seven games. But a lot of times, athletes like him who want to be out there have to be protected from themselves. So if he has convinced the doctors and the coaches, look, no, I'm good, I, I can spin it, and he's showing it in practice, I, I don't care. Um, If he's not 100%, I would not put him
1: out there this is franchise malpractice if fields plays on sunday and this is not being worried about him further injuring it it's about him going out there and when he is spinning it it ain't spinning at the level he is used to or at the level that is necessary to prove that you can still play the position Matt Eberflus is out of his mind if he's going to play him. Ryan Poles needs to step in and say, you're not playing. This makes absolutely no sense. And you're right. I admire anybody who wants to get back out on the field as quickly as possible. But that is what a competitor is all about. You can't always trust those guys to make the right decision, and this is one of those instances.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, I agree with something Mel Kuyper said. If you are just tuning in, Mel Kuyper joined us in the previous hour of the program, and, and there are times, this, is, this is, isn't all on the previous regime with Justin Fields or with Eberflus and the current regime coaching staff with Justin Fields right now and the Chicago Bears. There are times where Justin Fields holds the ball way too long, and that, that's one thing he has to clean up. So if there's a knock on him, that's probably my biggest one. But that dude, his work ethic, he's a grinder. I mean, he's a gym rat. He's a film rat, and he wants to win for the dudes next to him. Well, there is zero doubt about that going back to Ohio State and with his current guys in Chicago. But if there's one knock on him, that is, at, at times, he does hold the ball too long. Heck, there was one game, I think it was the second game of the season, Carlin. It was the Tampa game, because I, I know exactly seconds. what you're talking 5. about. 5.1 seconds, he held the ball back there. Yep. Can't do yep. That. that. That's, I mean, you, if you're holding the ball for five seconds, you might as well order that burger you were just talking about from Lonesome Dub in Fort Worth and a milkshake <laughs> and kick back there and, and have a feast, because five
1: seconds is an eternity for any quarterback. That is unacceptable. You know, on the flip side, you've got this situation – and then you've got the Kyler Murray situation. Yeah. Now, Dan Graziano um, has said that most teams around the league think that Arizona's going to move on from Murray during the offseason. And obviously, we have thought that they were in the camp of, well, you know, absolutely tanking to try to get Caleb Williams or a top quarterback. But again, it, it speaks to this idea of, okay, we want to show you that Kyler Murray can play so we can maximize whatever a trade return would be for him. If you are a team this offseason, and you are not positioned for one of those top two or three guys in the draft, but you still need a quarterback, are you chasing Fields or are you chasing Murray?
2: You know the answer to this question for me. It's Justin Fields, Fields hand, hands down. Yeah, Not, not even close. And I understand what Kyler Murray looked like last week coming back off that ACL. But it's when I mentioned the work ethic with Justin Fields, that's the biggest question mark with Kyler Murray. We all know the language that was put into that massive contract that he signed with the Arizona Cardinals where he had to watch you know, so many hours of film at home. Well, that, that was written in there for a reason. He wasn't doing it. I mean, heck, Andy Lee the punter was probably watching more film than, than Kyler Murray was at home. <laughs> So, I I mean, you you heard the reports that he was late to meetings, I mean, late to lift. That's not a leader. That's not a $150 million, you know, quarterback that's worth every penny. So, and now this is a new regime there, a new coaching staff, new front office, and maybe he's learned from his mistakes because that was public shame, man. That was Game of Thrones marching down some steps butt naked, right? When when that that contract, which is sent to every team, it wasn't like it was leaked. Every team gets a copy of, of those contracts. And I guarantee you, every general manager was like, "What in the heck is this language?" So, uh, I, mean, I, I that, to me, it'd be Justin Fields every single time until Kyler proves that he can be that leader—not just on the field, but also in the film room.
1: If I have to worry about a guy growing up, still at this point, with the amount of—and I know he's young—but with, with the amount of time that he's been in the league, I mean, I'm sorry. Carlin, I'm imagine passing. if
2: he put the grind in in the film room with the god given talent
1: that he has. That's it, scary. It'd be amazing. Yep. And that's what they were counting on, and that's what really even blew me away about how, where where it got to with him, and, and like, you knew what you had, and still it turned into that. It, it kind of takes me back it, to. Cool. It kind of takes me back to something that Bart Scott has always said: money only makes you more of what you are already. And it feels like if I give him that massive contract that he got and I had to go to the length to put that in it, why am I giving him the contract in the first place? All right, let me ask you this.
2: Do you think that it could be a wake-up call for Kyler Murray to be publicly embarrassed like that? You had the injury. Now you come back with a new coaching staff, new front office, and you know that everyone's talking about what you and I are talking about right now. And it's going to be a conversation throughout the remainder of the season. Do you think he could have gotten a wake-up call for the first time in his life? Because remember, he never lost a high school football game. Four-time state champion at the highest level of ball in Texas. I live here in Dallas, Texas. That's that's still staggering to me that he never lost a high school football game. He was the number one overall pick. College football playoff. You know, I mean, All-American, Heisman Trophy winner. Goes to the playoffs in what is his second, third year in the NFL and had one of the worst playoff performances we in, in recent <laughs> history, but he is—he's had all of those accolades. He's been entitled his entire life. Could this finally be a wake-up call for him?
1: I, I'm I, again at this juncture. If I'm worried about wake-up calls, I've already got my answer. I've already got my answer. Okay, and I need to do it. Not a Game of Thrones guy, so the whole walking down the stairs, buck naked shame. thing. Oh, that's shame. a shame thing. Okay. Yeah, Google. I'm familiar with it. I gave not it to a it, work computer. I gave it two <laughs> I, I gave it two and a half seasons, and then I was out. I just I'm not a middle earth guy. I'm sorry. Okay. It's just, I enjoyed it. it. It I don't know why. I'm one of the few people in Jersey that it didn't work with, which is odd because we're not the brightest bulbs in a tree. It's Carla versus Joe on ESPN <laughs> radio on Sirius XM channel eighty. My friends, O'Reilly Auto Parts offers convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Place your order on O'ReillyAuto.com. Pick up at your local store. Have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. The NBA has handed out their punishment for Draymond Green. Is it enough? Yeah, maybe the league choked too. Did I just really read that? I guess I did. You did. (laughs) Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any
2: Draymond Green of the Warriors gets a five-game suspension after last night's altercation with the Timberwolves.
3: The league again acknowledged Draymond Green's history as a part of the severity of this five-game suspension. I think the length of it surprises the Golden State Warriors. I think it surprised many around the league. Five's in the reasonable range. It's higher than I thought, but look, the league is sending a message. They're tired of this. They're tired of it. I think some people within the Warriors are tired of it too.
1: See, this is what I don't understand, and Joe and I spent some time on it yesterday, but the bigger issue for me is when does the negative start to outweigh the positive for the Warriors, who just handed him a new four-year deal? It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. So Draymond Green suspended five games for what happened the other night with Rudy Gobert uh, in that game between the T-Wolves and the Warriors. Listen. The number itself does not bother me. I'm okay with five games. I thought it might be a little bit more. Jay Williams was talking more like it was going to be 10. He thought it was very lenient what the league did. Where do you come down on this? I was surprised,
2: and I mentioned this last night, uh, and and I'll say it again. I thought it would be around 8 to 10. I'm I'm with Jay Will on this. And the the first thing that I thought of watching this, I mean, it was like a Rowdy Roddy Piper sleeper hold he had on him, on Rudy (laughs) Colbert. I mean, you know. We go to Brutus the Barber beefcake, Ted DiBiase, Anybody used a sleeper in wrestling and wrestling, right? That's what that was like. I mean, that was a full-on choke job. So they're lucky that this this did not escalate. That Carl Anthony Towns, who was right there trying to stop that choke hold, that sleeper hold, uh that, you know, Draymond put on Rudy Gobert, he's lucky he didn't haul off and just knocked the snot out of him. Because I know if that was my teammate and I see you continue to drag and pull and choke my teammate, I'll take the five- to eight-game suspension for you, man, because I'm going to knock the snot out of you. So they're lucky this didn't escalate because if one punch gets thrown, then we're going Dr. J on Larry Bird crime, man. We're going Celtics and Lambeer. It's about to get 80s all of a sudden and get medieval. So they are very lucky that that did not happen. But bottom line, I would have, I'm would have. a Jay Will, man. I would have sat him, you know, eight to 10 games. I didn't hear J Will say 10, but... That's about the. That's that's the number that I I was in that same kind of ballpark. I thought five was
1: lenient. He was at he was at ten yesterday. And listen, I would have understood it either way. I didn't think it was going to be one or two, which was what some people were saying. Uh, Who said that? uh, Just a bunch of different pundits yesterday. Different people that were throwing it out there yesterday thought anywhere between one and three games. I'm like, boy, I I don't see that one. Uh, Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels who were also ejected in the game, got $25,000, and that's it. And that's it. And that tells you everything you need to know about Draymond because that's the bigger issue here. Draymond, we can sit here and scream and yell about everything that he does that absolutely drives you up the wall. And it's insane some of the stuff that he does. Like the other night when Steph wasn't playing – It's almost like you could have predicted that Draymond was going to do something so that he didn't have to play either. (laughs) It kind of felt like that. And now I really do start to wonder what's worth it anymore. I mean, Steve Kerr loves him and will absolutely go to the mat for him, admits what all the things are that, that Draymond does that work against him. But Draymond pretty much told you, I'm going to keep being me. This is who I am. Who he is? He is he like
2: Carlin? Is he like and I'm going to go hockey here on you, an yeah. old school, right? Yeah. Is he kind of like Bob Probert or George Larock, you know, or I mean, Jody Shelley with the Blue Bob Jackets? Probert. I mean, you know what I'm, you know, but you know where I'm going with this? Like, yes. he's that enforcer that protects everybody else, and yes. that's why Steve Kerr, that's why Steph Curry, that's why Clay Thompson. They, uh, they don't love him; they adore him because they know if anything were to happen to
1: them on the court. That dude's gonna take care of it. But at this juncture, if you're the Warriors, is it still worth it to have that guy on your team? I Clearly, think it is. It sounds like you don't. I don't because Rock. I think the Warriors are headed for a breakup here. I don't think they're paying Clay Thompson after this season. I think they're going to look for a different iteration with Steph, and I think with Draymond here, the positive things that he does outside of just you know in being the enforcer. The other things that he does, defends, rebounds, all that stuff, it's deteriorating. It's deteriorating, and his game is getting away from him at this point. And that's, listen, that's going to happen. I don't understand the contract that they gave him this offseason. To me, that's loco. And I don't think he's going to end, end his career in a Golden State Warriors uniform.
2: Well, most, most people don't end their career with the same team. I mean, the Dirk Nowitzkis and the Kobe Bryants of the world – uh, they're rare. Uh, that, that normally doesn't happen. So to your point, I agree with that aspect. But is he worth it right now? Still, as they chase another ring, yeah, I, I think it was worth it because it's not just about what he's going to be able to do; it's what he has done, and what he. And I still think he's got plenty of game. I mean, it, with the way he passes the ball for a big man is also next level. I mean, he sees the floor so well, yeah. but he, he can't shoot. He's not going to score. He's going to get you. 7, 11, and 8, you know, I mean, almost every single night. But what he also does is that intimidation factor. And I think that that is very rare in in today's game. And if you've got somebody like that, then you keep him. But what what he did to Gobert was just, that went way over the line and crossed it. Remember, go back and watch that video. You know who's in his face and he's completely ignoring him. He was in this trance of just trying to choke Gobert out. It was the head coach and Steve Kerr. He's mm-hmm. right there on his left arm. And yeah. it's almost like, you know, not almost, he never even saw him. He was focused on one thing, and that was putting that sleeper on Rudy Gobert, who also was trying to break up what was going on with Clay Thompson. Yeah, but he... he and, and Green just came
1: in and saw the first dude and just put a
2: chokehold on him.
1: And put a chokehold on him and kind of ripped him away by that, the neck. That kind of. all of that <laughs> stuff. Yes. And, and so, ultimately, though, Uh, Now you're going into, this has happened this early in the year. The league tells you, and we already know this, that his history is going to play a role in it. This is going to happen again. And at some point, like, all of that behavior piles up and it starts to work against you when you don't have that guy on the floor for 10 games. See, that's where it all works out for me. Like, that's great. We can have moments like that, though, and you're going to cost me a lengthy suspension. And then I got problems.
2: Better sleeper hold, the one he put on Gobert or Rowdy Roddy Piper versus anybody?
1: Uh, Piper. I'm with you. Piper, absolutely. There, there we go. Uh, I, always felt, I always felt like Brutus Beefcakes was a little bit overrated. That's just all about it. how quickly can I get to the shears? You know, no, 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 no. no. I, I thought that was a little bit overrated. We just dated the hell out of ourselves, didn't we? Oh, my God. <laughs> Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Rowdy Roddy Piper. And, I, and here's the problem. My phone is sitting right in front of me. So when I jump on Instagram or TikTok later, you know what's going to be on my algorithm, and that means that I am getting nothing done the rest of the day. <laughs> it's Piper against Duggan. Let's go. <laughs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Well, we do this every week at this time, Ian. It is the Hembo Hammer. Be here for the uh, trivia challenge.
0: Do you have the answer to this week's trivia question? Oh, I love trivia. What's up, boys? It's hammer Hammer time. time. This is the Hembo Hammer.
1: Hembo, each and every week, serves us up a question, and we have to try to deliver. We've been successful at times, we've been unsuccessful other times, and sometimes we just play the answer before we give an answer, (laughs) which was an unfortunate moment that happened last week. So let us hear Hembo's question today the correct answer is are you kidding me it says hembo hammer question are you just screwing with me that's pretty much what you're doing right evan i'm not screwing with you hambo the correct answer
3: is (laughs) just kidding boys your question this week is jerk who was the last quarterback to throw 20 interceptions
1: in a super bowl winning season good luck oh Interesting. That's a great question. I got no shot. The last quarterback to throw 20 interceptions in a Super Bowl winning season. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, the answer in moments on ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN
3: Radio.
1: The answer to the question in just moments. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. If you need to hire, you need a partner by your side every step of the way. Indeed's end-to-end hiring solution makes it easy to attract, interview, and hire candidates. All from one place. The moment you sponsor a job post, you'll get instantly matched with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. And you can then conveniently schedule and conduct virtual interviews right from Indeed's hiring platform. Start today, get $75 in credits toward your first sponsored job. Visit Indeed.com slash credit, terms and conditions apply. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, SiriusXM. XM Channel 80, you must be
3: here for the uh, trivia challenge.
0: Do you have the answer to this week's trivia question? Oh,
3: I love trivia. What's up, boys? It's hammer
0: time. time. This is the Hembo Hammer.
1: All right, Ian Fitzsimmons, let's just remind everybody of the question with Hembo's little joke at the beginning. The
3: correct answer is, (laughs) just kidding, boys. Your question this week is this, who was the last quarterback to throw 20 interceptions
1: in a Super Bowl winning season? Good luck. Interesting question. The couple that come to mind. First of all, Peyton Manning with the Broncos the second time around comes to mind because he was awful, but I don't think he threw 20 picks. Now, remember, he missed
2: a lot of games. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't think that that's – I don't think it's Manning. I'm going to go with a – I was trying to think of, of a mediocre or above-average quarterback that, helped, that caught lightning in a bottle. Mm. And the only guy I can think of is Joe Flacco. Had, a, had a, a, a solid regular season, but in the postseason, went out with that ridiculous run. They win the, the Super Bowl in New Orleans in the Harbaugh Bowl, right? And gets the big contract and was never the same player again. So, I'm going to go yeah. Flacco.
1: Uh, I'm either thinking Bradshaw or Jim Plunkett. I'm going back oh, a ways. you're going race. deep. Yeah, I am, I'm going deep. I'm going to go Bradshaw here. I'm going to go Bradshaw in a Super Bowl-winning season to throw 20 interceptions? Let's get the answer. The correct answer is Eli Manning. Eli threw 20 picks in
2: 2007. Oh, wow. I I absolutely suck at trivia. I really do.
1: I covered the damn team all year. That's embarrassing on you. I I, did the pre- and post-game all year for the team, and I didn't remember Eli threw 20 picks that year? Oh my God. Is that the year they started out like 3 and 3 and then just. Yeah, they ended up 11 and 5. Yeah. And they. Oh God, that was the Patriots year where they were going for undefeated and they lost oh. to the the Giants, lost to them 38 35 in the last week of the year. And that kind of spurred them on that postseason run. So you were right. At the time, it was kind of a mid level quarterback who got on an incredible postseason run. <laughs> I just thought just of the, the wrong, wrong dude. Not, oh not just the God.
2: wrong guy, wrong conference, wrong everything, wrong everything, man. Don't try but, and give me any bit of credit. But you,
1: having covered the team, should have
2: gotten that. That's I, I mean,
1: that oh God, JV, like, seriously, dude. Like my day is now ruined that I didn't remember Eli threw twenty picks that year. That's horrible. Carla versus Joey, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel eighty. I am absolutely fascinated by what's going on with Dan Campbell and Texas A&M? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> but Texas A&M reached out to Dan Campbell trying to bring him back. He's a Texas A&M guy after they just fired Jimbo and, uh, and owe him $80 million, 76 to be exact, and Dan Campbell basically rebuffed them pretty quickly and had no interest in it. So uh, was there any chance, knowing what you know about A&M, about that whole landscape, that Campbell would have ever even considered it. No. I
2: yeah. mean, look, there's 32 elite jobs in the world that are in the national football league, and he's got one of them. And, oh, by the way, they're one of the best teams in the, in the NFC right now. So mm-hmm. uh, this this isn't Bear Bryant, you know, going, going hey, Mama called uh, when he left AM and m to go back to Alabama where he played. You know, Dan Campbell's in a special place right now, and he's building something that is truly special in Detroit. So even though it's it's Mama calling you don't have that kind of allegiance to your alma mammy. Uh, there's and they they look with the price of oil right now. They can stack the dollars pretty high, but when you have one of the 32 most coveted jobs in 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 any sport, you're not giving it up. Especially when you've gone on this journey and, and you're building something there. So A going to be in a tough spot. Not just because look, I, don't, I I love them going after Dan Campbell. Yeah, I mean it's not a bad if you don't ask. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. So. I respect Ross Bjork, the AD, for at least trying, but we, we knew that was going to be a no. But it's an automatic no if you don't even sh- you shoot the shot, right? You miss every one of those. Absolutely. Now but,
1: it's who are you going to get? Because, well, that's what I want to know. Especially, listen. Yes, you're right. The money is stacked high, but seventy six million that you have to now pay out for doing nothing, and it's locked in. In. I, I mean, I wish
2: I could fail like that.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's amazing.
2: But think of, here's amazing. the thing. If you're going after A-list guys like Dan Campbell, it's going to be very difficult to land one because of Jimbo's contract. Any agent worth his salt is going to want the same type of language. No offset language. Jimbo Fisher could go right now, get another head coaching job in college or pro football and double dip, get paid $7, 8000000 million again and still get every single penny of that $76 million he's still owed, the next guy is going to want that kind of language in his contract. Think about this. Jimbo Fisher's first... At ESPN Stats and Info, look this up. Jimbo Fisher's first job calling plays in college football was at Samford in Birmingham, Alabama. He made $20,000 a year. Do you know what he makes a day right now?
1: $26,000 a day. Uh, I I would have thought that's light.
2: (laughs) 26 <laughs> dimes for the next eight years. Oh, my Lord. Mercy. He made like eight grand sleeping last night. Oh. The next guy is going to want that kind of contract. That's not going to be easy.
1: You just described my dream. I mean, <laughs> that's, that couldn't be any better. You're going to tell me I'm going to pick up two grand for gritting some lunch. I'm good. I mean, for Pete's sake. Can't I, make it up, man. Uh, yeah. Can't but, make it up. All right. So here's the question, though. Who are they going to get that's better than Jimbo right now?
2: I, I'm taking a lot of heat for this one, but I know for a fact that he is interested, mm. and I would make the call after you flame out. You got to go, again, you got, you got to shoot for the moon, right? And I hope you hit a star. And, and if you don't, I, I would go and make the call to Texas A&M's former offensive coordinator who learned a ton after failing at Texas Tech, and that's Cliff mm. Kingsbury. We all know he's going to get a quarterback. And he can coach offense. He just—I promise you—that he is. He's learned, especially going in the in the the SEC. You got to recruit heavily in the trenches and the defensive side of the ball. And he would hire the best defensive coordinator oil money can buy. Kingsbury, to me, would be a call I would make after you miss out, possibly on a Mike Elko. It's a guy who's been there also. Was a defensive coordinator at M and is doing remarkable things at Duke. I'd make him tell me no if he does. I'd go after Kingsbury.
1: Can't get somebody who's going to be running away from another job. And to me, because I think that feels like what Jimbo did a little bit. Yep. Don't go try for Dabo. Don't do it. I think that's asking for it. I agree. I think that's too similar also. Yes. Agreed. I think that's absolutely asking for it. Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. 30 minutes from now. That's right. The manager of the world champion, Texas Rangers, will join us. Bruce Bochy on ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.